KFNX News Talk Radio 1100, it's Chatterbox, where you'll find the latest news, interviews, and updates about the gaming world. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host, the guests, and callers only, and not necessarily those of KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. And now, here's your host for Chatterbox. Yeah, so here we are, the week before Halloween. It's a very important week for video games and for candy lovers. Is it? Yeah. Are you celebrating Halloween at all? Um, it depends on your definition of the word celebrate. Will your life be impacted in any way, shape, or form by the fact that it's Halloween, aside from my asking you this question? Minimally. Does that mean you're going to hand out the treats? No, it means I'm going to your party. Oh, yeah, there's that. Dude, my wife is going crazy. I can see this. Have you been on Facebook? Uh, no, but um, I can tell she's going crazy. Yeah. Dude, last night we went to the store and bought over $200 worth of booze for this thing. Oh, is that what the update was for? Yeah, dude, I just don't understand. Like, what happened to maybe a keg? I've never bought a keg in my life. It'd be interesting. Maybe a keg, and everybody else would say, you want nice stuff? Just bring it. Bring yourself. Why do I have to pay for all your crap? And then there's people who are like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go, or I'm not going to come. I'm like, I just spent $200 on booze. This is the best party you're ever going to be at. I think that she's settling a little too prematurely into the lawyering lifestyle. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, that's my uh, personal life update. <laughs> now let's move on to everything else. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We've got to talk about the, um, the line waiting festival. And um, you want to talk about an experience trying to sell video game hardware. Yes. yes. And then uh, all sorts of other stuff. Because I, I said Halloween is a big, important day for video games. And that's because after Halloween, you're in November. And November is when Black Friday happens and when people start selling stuff for Christmas. Except Ooh, the world has changed. And now November 1st is when people start talking about <laughs> Christmas. And November 1st, of course, day after Halloween. Which is why Halloween marks a very important day for video games. And, of course, all the games that were originally supposed to come out in July and they've... Do de- finally release in October. Delayed for no good reason are now going to release. Wasn't there some fancy shooter that you were waiting That's for that one. eventually get released in October? Or was supposed no, to? No, no, no. November. November. When's November. that? November 10? Or... Like 1. Oh. Just to spite me, they're waiting until November 1st. Okay. Well... And I know, I know it's it's Otomedius. I know that it's not even going to be that good. I mean, I don't even have great expectations for this. Really? It's yeah. It's just it's like I just like the idea of that type of game, and so that's the main reason why I'm getting it. I want to encourage. I'm a real big fan of voting with my dollars. You see. That's and you have a very strong vote because your dollars usually go nowhere. <laughs> They go they go farther than real votes do, I'll tell you that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however far votes go. Okay, well, um, let's start off by, by talking about what we did this weekend. You and I set about uh, to go to the food Phoenix Food Truck Festival. Yes. We had talked about this two weeks ago. We did. So and, it was coming up. And so, just like we promised, um, we did go, and it was an experience. I brought my Segway. That was fun. It was better than walking around. To, this, to the festival. Yes. I can see why you like the Segway so much, and also bringing it around strangers and festivals so much. Yeah. Icebreaker. After, after, it's good. It's a good icebreaker. Yeah. yeah. So, we ate some food. So, yes. Yeah, so, you called it a line festival at the beginning, right? Well, uh, so I'm so, so used to it at this point, talking to people, what did you do this weekend? Line waiting festival. 
Right. So let's let's maybe we should clarify for, for listeners. our British listeners queuing, queuing. Yes. So it was in the beginning. Uh, we got there, you know, it opened at like four, and we got there like you know, let's say a little bit after four. Yeah. Right. And so it was a in the beginning a food truck festival that featured some lines. Let's define in the beginning. First ten minutes we got there. Pretty much, and that was really nice when the lines were about five, ten people long. Right. Very and we were like, oh, that one's too long. Let's, we'll come back to this one later. Right. We were so proud of ourselves about eyeing how long the lines were and doing our um, nerd-like computations in our heads to find out the shortest line so we could maximize our food-to-waiting ratio. Yes. But it was a lost cause because <sighs> as more and more people piled into the festival over time, it quickly turned into... A festival of lines that happened to have food trucks. You know why I'm ashamed? Why? I'm ashamed because we didn't instantly realize, oh my god, these lines are going to be way longer in about two minutes. Yeah, you know you know what? I had I had in the back of my head though, like I just assumed that like it would have been just incredibly well orchestrated and that was my 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 mistake. No, you actually should your default view on any event and now that you're an adult, you should appreciate this more, actually. Because when you're a kid, you think yeah, that, I, I know, I that know. things move magically and people have systems and plans. But the thing plans. is, you see, like, I have, I still have faith in people. <clears throat> I still want people to be smarter than they actually are. And so, I'm, You know how you, ha- you used to have this um, challenge to people? Give me any topic and I'll turn it into video game? Yes. Here's what I'll do. We, we just turned it into video games. I will turn this into video games, even in another way. Okay. Every system is built by morons. And I'm I'm not speaking poorly. I'm, I mean that quite literally. Every system is built by morons. And, uh, you know, an example of that, you could see, like, you know the giant financial system that exists in this world, i.e. America, okay. because we run the economics of the world? Uh, we were too big to fail, and we totally failed because so many giant banks that are supposedly run by, like, smart people and computers and people with lots of educations, right, totally failed. Right. Well, that doesn't, you, it doesn't necessarily mean they're morons. It just, or maybe another definition of moron is that just the the complexity of the system just got away from what people were able to predict could ha- or would happen. I encapsulate by that, that by saying they're morons. I understand this. So, uh, a system so large will fail because people are idiots. A system so small as uh, the food truck festival, which I got a hand to them, by the way. I, in an ideal world. It was great. It was actually like a very good idea. Yeah. I actually do want to talk about some of the trucks at some point, but yeah. let's let's continue. I just I think people should realize too, like you have these great expectations and and we get hyped about, you know, game bringing this back to video games. Games that are coming out. We uh you know, read our magazines and our previews and we're like, "Oh, this is going to be fantastic." <laughs> Mind just you, it has the name. I never have such expectations from games. I always assume you, less rather than more. You when it have comes a special brand of realism. <laughs> you, you and I both, and uh, you know, I should say cynicism as well. But you know, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people out there, um, they get super duper hyped about things. Rich is a perfect example. If, if our listeners remember Rich, um, he'll be really, really excited about a game, and I'll be like, "Dude, you got to calm that down. You're going to be really yeah. disappointed because it yeah. is not going to be what you think it is, yeah. guaranteed." And uh, most people don't realize it until. You know, they actually experience it themselves. And, and what allows humans to evolve, and, and now I'm speaking generally again, is the ability to learn from others. Uh, because if, if every person on Earth just spent all of their time learning the same lessons over and over, we would never get beyond the lessons learned in the first place. And uh, we should learn when I tell you this game or the Wii or whatever is going to suck. You should take my word for it because I'm right. 
and then move on and you know learn your own things rather than playing games or systems or whatever it is uh wasting your time when you could learn from the intelligence of others like ourselves so anyway so you anyway, food truck yeah so the ice cream was good when it was good right so i want to actually i want to mention some of the food trucks that we thought were good so um the ice cream one i've got like a list here of all of these, what was it called? Sweet Republic. That was a good one. I hear they're super duper expensive, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. My friend was like, "Yeah, dude, they are awesome, but very pricey." Yeah. And this guy, not—he's he, pretty immune from pricing compared to yourself or myself. And he was saying how pricey it was. So interesting. It's got to be expensive. <laughs> but uh, so so they had they featured the um, the mint flavored ice cream where it wasn't like regular mint. It's like. Mint that tastes like mint leaves, which... Like actual mint. Which Alon... Like actual mint, which Alon loves, but I didn't love as much. I don't normally love it. It's weird, but I, I I, appreciated that it was so genuine. Yeah. It was very good. There was... Uh, we met a nice guy from uh, Mojo Bowl, which sounds like you'd be getting some kind of, like, chicken and rice bowl, but no, it's, like, smoothies and, like, shaved ice. Yeah, that one, that was actually really good too. Yeah, but that one was good. I want to point out to our listeners, by the way, the reason we're talking about this is because it's Phoenix local, right? We don't yeah. do a lot of local stuff, and I know this isn't so directly video game related, yeah. but it's important to us to be connected to the locals. Yeah. So if it's um, if you don't live in Phoenix, then um, be glad that you didn't go, but be sad that you can't uh, visit any one of these. And by the way, if you do trucks. come out to Phoenix, tell us, and we'll go to one of these places. I will even buy you a cone of whatever that expensive ice cream is. There you go. Unless you're crazy, in which case I won't go near you. So the biggest surprise for me was there's a truck called Torched Goodness. Do I remember that one? Right. You do. This was the creme brulee truck. Oh, I did not go to that place. Right. It's it's I'm see, not a creme brulee guy. See, like the title the title doesn't usually tell you enough about the truck, right? <laughs> like Torched Goodness. What's that gonna be? My mind was reeling with possibility until I got close enough to actually see that there was only creme brulee. And you loved that stuff. That was your favorite. Creme brulee is pretty fantastic. Yeah, not me. Even I don't know, I don't know even if I've ever even than, tried um, it. It just seems gross. Yeah. And custard. But then, um, yeah, but you know, some of the other ones weren't weren't so good. Like duck, duck, pig. That was a big disappointment. That's just because we weren't into what they were making. Duck confit. Conf- yeah. Yeah. So confit, if you want to be it. Okay. Yeah pronouncing it correctly i I was gonna do one of those halfway pronunciations so like yeah the t is silent we'll just i know but then like stupid americans won't know what i'm saying yeah confit yeah and then whatever yeah so anyway so a lot of these trucks had like what you would consider to be like gourmet-ish food yeah it was crazy like usually you think roach coach right yeah these guys were all like it was it was some some little stand-up material gourmet for me i mean the confit you I, you didn't eat yours, did you? And I didn't even take anything from them. Yeah, see, I took mine, and, and then I looked at it for a while, then you started telling me things about it, and then I... Yeah, I'm like, it comes out of a squeeze tube. You know, I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah. But uh, but I did finally find out what confit is, actually. Oh, you researched it? Yeah, because, yeah. like, I was expecting it to be, like, some sort of, like, entrail or something. That's exactly the word I knew was going to come out of your mouth. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was... No, it's just... It's like... It's a way of preserving meat. That involves, like, wrapping the meat around its own lard or whatever its fatty tissue is. All right. Well, so. with that, I'm ready to move away onto another topic. Right. I certainly want to thank the food truck people for allowing us to go to their event. Yes, and it was I know very, very pleasant and nice of them. We are not the only ones complaining about the lines. There was a lot of feedback. Yeah. Whether or not they're paying attention to it is beyond me. Yeah. But there's a lot of feedback about how the line system was a little bit ridiculous. Like, yeah, it couldn't it have was... been improved. They were Well, it could be. But... Um, 
you know, they simply had too many people in a small area. Yes, that's exactly what happened. What they need to do is arrange the trucks in a circle facing outward. Yeah. That would simplify it. I got to say, though, the, the hot dog stand that we didn't go to, right, there were two hot dog stands. The one that we didn't go to was one that I had been at before. We didn't go to either of them. Right. And it's called Short Leash. But the greatest thing about this hot dog truck is that they have, like, 50 different ingredients. And it's, like, no limit. It's, like, you want ketchup and mustard and mayo and, like, pick your bizarre kind of cheese and 12 other things. You can get that. You're a fan. Well, that's good. All right. I'm a so, fan of No Limits. You know, uh, Burger Time is being re-released. Did you know that? Nope, didn't know that. It is. I have one friend who would be completely I, I ecstatic. I think it's XBLA, but news. it's probably everything. But it's a totally new, you know, revised for the ages new version of Burger Time. Oh, boy. Yep. yep. Revised for the ages. Well, That's always gone over well. If people didn't know about it, I'm telling you now, it's another way of linking video games to our food truck festival. <laughs> All this right, so... We're at break now. We can start talking about more serious things when we get back, um, including all sorts of stuff, like Gabe Newell and other things that you have sitting in front of you on paper that I don't know about. Right on. All right. We'll be right back. Arizona's News Talk Leader, KFNX, AM 1100. And we are back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Did we mention the website yet? I don't think we did. You mean... ChatterboxGameShow.com Yes, ChatterboxGameShow.com Of course, more people are listening on podcasts and stuff. They don't really go to the website all that much. At least, I don't think they do. Um, iTunes, that's the place to go for this stuff. You know, when you want to listen to podcasts, that's what people do these days. Yep. So, do that. But if you do want to find like the phone number to call us or the email to call us, that's why you should go to the website. So, ChatterboxGameShow.com If you want to call live during the show, 866-536-1100 we got another, uh, what, like 45 minutes to go? So, if you're around Phoenix-ish in the next half hour or so, you want to talk Give us a call. Seems like a long time now, but in five minutes we'll actually be done. Ooh, it's like a flash. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you said you've been playing a bunch of games lately. You've got a bunch in front of you. Um, tell me what's, uh, what's Ooh, the best. Yeah, man. What's going where do on? I start? Did you know there's a new new Need for Speed game came out? There's always a new Need for Speed yes, game coming out. Yes, that is the correct answer. Yeah. It's always coming out. And this is actually, this is kind of... I'm really surprised, right? So this new game is Wait, called The Run. surprised that another one's coming out? No, or? I'm surprised at what they did with it. Okay, so I'm content-wise. Su- I'm surprised and unsurprised. So let me explain to you my surprises and unsurprises, right? This game, called The Run, this is basically like Outrun for the the new age, or whatever you want to call it. Outrun it's, was pretty tame in terms of mechanics. No, 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 not in terms of like. I'm just talking about thematically. Like the whole point I don't of this even know game. What the theme of Outrun was just go fast. It was no. It was were like, you running away from cops. It was no. You weren't running away from cops. You were like it was like a cross country type of run, right? Okay. So you went. So was Cruising USA. Yes, but Outrun was better. <laughs> and then, so therefore, Outrun will be my reference. Cruising <laughs> USA didn't have Bill Clinton sitting in a hot tub with Jennifer Flowers. It did? Cruising USA did. 
And okay, well now we know your criteria for. <laughs> you just gotta go to the DC so, area. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. So this game, the run, it's it's actually about a cross country race, right? So you race literally from like one coast to the other, and. Apparently, there's like a hundred other vehicles that are doing the same thing, right? And so you have like this. The really cool thing about it is you have like this ranking, right? And your ranking increases a little bit with each car you pass. And it always like like it's a very very iconic thing in the game. Like they're always telling you like, okay, you know, you're in Chicago now, and your rank's like 56. You know, and you have to get to you get to, get to get to be first by the time you get. I'm going to, the to other assume coast. that you're ranked against other actual players. No, 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 no. This ranking it's it's like a fictional. It's like a conceit to basically represent your progress. Okay. Right, because this that component of the game, at least, I don't even know what components are multiplayer, but that component, at least, that's the main thing about the game. It's so it's just like you've gotten this far. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like a percentage. It's well, kind of, except in the opposite direction, right? Yeah, but it's it's a really cool device, and the thing that didn't surprise me. So I I actually like I liked all of that stuff. I thought that it was a really cool expression of a racing game that needed, you know, another game to express it better than the previous ones who had done that sort of thing, you know. And in, in, as far as that but goes, it's a really racing. Game, it's going to be a lot more than just the theme, though. I mean, you you know this better than anybody. No, I'm talking about not not. Not in terms of, like, what it just looks like, but in terms of, like, the conceit of you, like, going on a cross-country race on real roads, weaving through traffic, and also racing against other cars at the same time. Okay. So you actually see those cars? You see them? Yeah. All right. You see them, and then there's also, like, the oncoming traffic thing, and, you know, I never really... It seems like most of the roads in this game are, are like, you know, one or two lane roads, and I never really... um, I always felt like the whole idea of weaving through traffic hasn't been explored enough yet in racing games. I mean, like, Burnout did that, but it does it in such, like, a, uh, such a, how should we say? Haphazard, I'm guessing. Haphazard? Yeah, that's a decent word. But I'm thinking more like, it does it in, like, such a slot machine fashion that you never really feel like things that happen in that game are, are of your, con- of are the result of your actions, right? You know, it... Uh, gameplay like that, or at least the the imagination of, of weaving through traffic like you might in real life, I think it's because it's it's really hard to see what's going on. Like when, when you're racing around in in the actual world, first of all, like I can turn my head and see something different than just in front of me. And I know you can do that in some games by like pushing the right stick or whatever. Um, but uh, obviously that's difficult to accomplish. Yeah, well, it's obviously different, right? But that that's, I mean, it just depends on your view. You know, if you have, like, a third-person view, then that effect gets diminished somewhat. Yeah. Well, but also third-person makes it harder just because you're in a different position. Yes. Yeah. Right? So there's all these reasons that it's really hard for a racing game to become real. And I, I was trying to link this to 3D gaming. And, but what, and do, what do you mean if, by real? I mean, what are you getting at here? Well, so, like, when you're playing a game like Burnout... Or another game where you're conceiving of this game that has a lot of weaving through traffic. Right. One of the problems is um, control, obviously. Control can be tight or, or not, depending on the game. Um, but you're also just going to hit things all the time. And in real life, I don't hit things. No, not, not necessarily. I mean, for example, <clears throat> Crazy Taxi had a wonderful implementation 
they just didn't do it in the context of a racing game. They did it in the context of you're going and you're carrying somebody from point A to point B. So, for example, the, the, the manner in which you weave through traffic in that game was excellent, but it was in a different context, right? It wasn't in, you know, in the context of you're also racing. I, just, I see what you're saying. You know? So it can be done. I don't think it's a hard problem. It's just it hasn't just been explored that much. And then, like, the other thing that I don't think has, has been the other thing that – see, I'm so excited that I'm talking <laughs> over myself. The other thing that I don't feel like has been explored enough is – the idea of having a super, super long distance, viewing distance ahead of you. You know, they can you can construct a track in a racing game where you can see so much of what's ahead of you if you design it in a certain way. And this, this is the game, like this game gave me inklings of that that most other games don't. It's really, really a cool feeling when it looks like you can see like half a mile straight ahead of you. Yeah, I could see that. You know, and, and you and, don't get that very nothing, much. That's something I've never thought of, not even once. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I think So you can see like twenty cars in front of you and then as you get closer and they're they all well, have their own. Like I said, I don't think they do it enough either. <clears throat> but there there were a few moments where, you know, you go over a crest of a hill and it's like a highway, right? So you've been on a highway where like you could clearly like you could see so much you'd be like, you know, that must be like a mile ahead of me, or there's so much I can see ahead of me. Well, that's cool. You know? So overall, you, you enjoyed the game, or are you just impressed with these little bits of it? Okay, so those are the impressive, nice things that I liked, right? The thing that I didn't like, and it's it's horrible because this is such a deal-breaker for me, is that because this is such a mass-market game, it's like they have implemented the steering in such a way so that only people who are really bad at modulating steering will enjoy it. And in, I'll explain what I mean. Count me in. Okay, so apparently, like, the way that the car responds to your inputs is that in this game, it's like, it's really, really muted for the first half of the curve of, you know, steering, right? Yeah. And so you move it's the joystick really, halfway and it's really and it does pronounced basically nothing. in the second half, right? Yeah. And so what that does is I can imagine what they were thinking and why they may have done that deliberately, which is, okay, well... You know, you want to give the player some fine control over some small movements like changing lanes, but when they want to make big movements, right, you want to let them do that too, right? And so in order to kind of like emphasize both of those or make both of those types of movements really easy, what you end up doing is you make the the steering curve nonlinear, right? And mm-hmm. so you get... In the beginning, in the first half, you get a lot of movement produces a little turning, and in the second half, you get a little turning produces a lot of movement. Here's the problem, though, is that it makes the steering feel so unnatural because it's nonlinear. I have to now unlearn everything that my muscle memory has taught me about steering in order to relearn this new nonlinear ramp, and it's incredibly disruptive. That's another thing never thought of. It's like... I I've I don't have that level of insight into driving games, so like I would just I would play that and be like, oh, this has bad control. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't mean, be able to you explain would it. you would probably just say that it has bad control, right? But well, I might actually I, think this is good control. So, no, 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 you won't, you won't though. This is the thing. Like, I don't think that this type of scheme is ultimately actually better than anybody. I think that they're operating under the assumption that if they make certain types of moves easier to do in a certain context, that it's better overall. But I think that the thing you have to sacrifice in order to accomplish these things, which is you lose the linearity of the steering feel, 
is a huge deal breaker, not just for me, but I think a lot of other people who maybe have paid I, I would ask attention. you if you think the play style would change if you were catering towards younger people who don't have the level no, of experience that you have. No, no, because you, no, that's never been a, a viable argument, though. And I'll I'll tell you why when we come back. I mean, I just I'm willing to bet that their focus groups yeah. are like we'll thirteen see. year olds. We'll see. All right, we'll be right back. It's me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. Alright, Chatterbox Video Game Radio, back again for the second half of the show. I want to remind everyone also about the University of Advancing Technology. Their website is uat.edu. If you're listening live, you heard their commercial. But if you're listening to the podcast, you didn't. So, go to their website, uat.edu, learn about the programs they have to offer for people who want to get into the game development industry. By learning. By going to school. And doing it that way. Not the way Ara did it. But just sort of doing it. Yeah, a few people do it the way Ara did it. few? Yeah, it's yeah. not recommended the way Ara does it. <laughs> well, you've done pretty well, though. Well, right. you get more pain in, re- in return. I guess. Well, more pleasure and more pain. That's that's risk versus reward, they say. Yeah. Somebody right. told me once, um, you ever heard that expression, like, you got to pick your battles? I've definitely heard that. And that my response was, I've never subscribed to that philosophy. <laughs> okay. So, um, Need for Speed, whatever the new game is called. Yeah, we left uh, we left our listeners with a little bit of a cliffhanger. I, I was gonna say that I think they'd probably try to cater to kids because I, I I don't really know. Obviously, like I don't know what their numbers. You know what are. the irony of that is? This is what I was getting at. What? The irony of such an argument is that it's the kids who are often the best at those games. Well, yeah, because they have so much time spent into it. But now I'm yes. thinking, like, have you ever? gone to i'll see like i worked at a used game store or at gamestop right so i'm not sure you saw it as much as i i did but like you ever look at a kid's video game controller that they i've you know have had for a while yes i've seen it all right the analog sticks are always so busted their dead zone is giant yeah yeah right for listeners who aren't aren't aware of this when you develop a game right that uses an analog stick an analog stick at least the common ones these days have, what, 255, 256 levels of, of sensitivity? Well, there's that, and then on the PS3, I think, and then I think that the uh, Xbox One is even more precise, if I'm not mistaken. I thought they were all 256, but they might be 512, whatever. I mean, it could be 1024, it doesn't matter. The point is, your analog stick technically is digital, right? I mean, it's it's more than two on and off, right, but it's, right. you know, it's not truly analog with an infinite level of, of detail. So... Um, the way they program it is the you know the further you move the stick it's going to be level whatever 50 or 83 out of 255 and so all games build in this dead zone where it doesn't consider you to be giving it an input if you're giving it like nine incidentally on the ps3 the dead zone is always much bigger than is on it? xbox yes that's interesting there is a lot more precision in the xbox's joystick than in the playstation one is it also just sturdier it doesn't break down as fast I uh, I don't know. I mean, if I had to guess, I would guess that yes, because it just feels that way to me. But um, if you're just talking, if you're just talking about the um, you know the numerical input method that they use and however many numbers they use, yeah, it's more precise. That's interesting. Right? And yeah. you know that just from working on yeah. on these things. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So people who didn't know this, right? 
when you buy a brand new controller, never touched, it's not at zero when you don't touch it. It's usually at some amount, right? Like three. three. It could be ten. I mean, it, it could vary. Like, it's not going to be huge. But um, that's one reason you might see something like uh, when you're playing a, a racing game or something, maybe it drifts a little bit, right? Maybe your your stick isn't at, you know, as close to zero as it should be. And it could be from use, you know, wearing away the controller or whatever. Or it could just be naturally set off a little bit. And that game perhaps has too small a dead zone programmed in where, like, it accepts input after five, right? When really it should accept input after 30 or something. And so when I'm talking about this game being geared towards kids, maybe they have to have a really big dead zone because kids well, destroy their controllers. In Also, in counter to your argument, um, it's got to be like... I don't mean to like, be making an argument. It's I'm not, just, it sounds I'm, like an M or a T game, I think. So it might be like a T game. Probably. So I'm just speculating. Total sure, speculation sure. here. And feel free to continue to speculate, right? But it's it's funny because you know I, I worked on a game that's a while ago that skewed very, very young, right? There was a movie tie-in. And are we, are like, we not mentioning the title for some reason? Um, all right, talked was, about it before. It was one of the Cars games, right? Yeah. And it was funny because... For the record, we mean the, the Pixar Cars, not just right. a car game. Yes. Okay, yes. Thank you. Okay. And um, it was funny because in a lot of discussions, when people talked about that game when we were developing it, right... Something that would come up a lot is, oh, wait, it's just for kids, right? But it's really, it's a horrible excuse. It's an excuse to, like, stop thinking about it, right? And that's how it was used. It was thrown around like, no, don't worry about this aspect of the game being really high quality because it's just for kids, yeah. Right? And once you yeah, go I down that, that road, you go, it's it's a it's a very slippery slope. And do you listen to sixty minutes or watch sixty minutes? I have from time to time. So I listen to the podcast on you know it comes out on Sunday or whatever, right? Because the show happens on Sundays. Um, this past week was a Steve Jobs episode, which I guess got really crazy ratings because everybody loves Steve Jobs. Um, he talked about how he like grew up with his dad or his adoptive father or whatever, and uh, he taught him like you're going to build a fence. Nobody cares about the back of the fence, but you build it just as well as you build every other part because then people will know you're serious about your business, right? Every every part of everything you build is just as good as every other part. Like, they're all – point is, it's all high quality. Yeah, right? that's true. And, uh, you know, then he made good stuff moving on in the world. Um, yeah, so so anyway. You're suggesting you do the same. Yes, I suggest everyone does the same. That is a fantastic philosophy. <laughs> Don't build crap is the philosophy. <laughs> yes, that's okay. right. Um, but – Okay, to close off the run, right? It def on the face of it, I could totally see them implementing the style of control for let's get a little more generic instead of saying for kids, like for accessibility purposes, right? But I still think it's a red herring. I still think that it's completely the wrong way to go because no matter how you do it, no matter what accommodation you're doing, you're making an assumption that the player is going to be inputting incorrectly and you're trying to kind of like adapt the control scheme's parameters to this assumption that people will always do it wrong, right? And that actually, since that results in a nonlinear feeling ramp, what that actually means is that no matter what the person's disposition is when they first play the game, whether, like, you know, they're more seasoned or they've never, you know, touched a steering wheel or a controller before, it's always going to be harder for you to get used to a nonlinearly ramping interface than one that is linear. 
I, so I think that might be a bit of assumption as well. Like, no, it's not because it's. I'm not assuming. I'm telling you this based on my experience and what I've noticed and not noticed. It just seems to me that you know maybe a lot of people play that, but like a lot of people play a game it's by just maxing out the controller to each direction. Right, like you want to go right, you shift the the joystick all the way to the right. Sure. Right, and that's it. You don't you don't have any level of detail in between there, and you know people overcorrect all the time in driving games, and it's because they go all the way to the right, all the way to the left, um, and so they've. I mean, they I guess would need to cater to an audience like that to to some degree. Um, you've got to make your game accessible. I mean, it, yeah, but you've this, got to, what I'm no telling you, it. what I'm saying is that this actually, I don't think this results in accessibility. <clears throat> I think this kind of approach results in you believing that you've done something. To be accessible, but in the end, it's actually worse. But it also makes sense, right? Especially in a game where you're. Of bobbing. course, it makes sense. On the face of it, it makes sense. But that's my whole argument: is that it doesn't. Ma- it makes sense on the face of it, but after you go into the implementation, see. But look at the gameplay. You have to pay on the other hand. On the other side, you have to pay for it, and that what you have to pay with doesn't make it worth it. But this game is a, has a lot of bobbing through traffic. You said, right? And not, with what not I. That much. I thought you were saying. You know what? I'll I'll just say this. Hey, like you and everybody else, play the game and tell me how you, what you think of the steering. Okay, I'm up for that. I I would like to to hear what other people think. I I would think a game that has tight um, lanes, right? So you said it's only two lanes most of the time. I presume there are walls or some sort of barrier on the other sides of these lanes. Um, You have to have a big area where you're having fine control. Of, of changing lanes. You even said it. Like, you need to have it's true, but subtle control like when you're changing lanes. Yeah, but I also said that you sacrifice your linearity, and they didn't give enough consideration to the consequences of what happens when you sacrifice linearity of control. That's, All right. That's the bottom line. Gotcha. Well, that's our driving game consideration for today. I'm glad we've taken up <laughs> half the show for that, as we always do. Well, you know, I was gonna—I I would have been happy to move on like ten minutes ago, but uh, you really wanted to press this issue. So. Yeah. Well, let me tell you one of the more interesting things I came across. Um, have you been reading this article about uh, Valve and the financial experiments it runs? Um, not so much. Okay. You mean these like Russian things? They're doing something with the Russians. The Russians were mentioned, although it wasn't really a key component. Yeah. Not every Russian, just some Russians. Probably. No, that, that was that was. Uh, partially a discussion of piracy, right? So I guess there's something going on now where Gabe Newell of Valve ends up on stage talking to people about things. Okay. Um, I don't follow this stuff at all. Perhaps the Seattle, no, some conference up there. I, who cares? Point is, he's talking. Um, and it, so I guess I should I should clarify. Valve makes games for PC, and yes, some do. of them have been released off of PC on consoles and stuff, although they haven't been always the people porting it. Uh, Valve, a while ago, decided that they were also going to make something called Steam, which is essentially iTunes for video games, right? Yep. Uh, you know, really digital distribution system that somehow, I guess that, you know what I've learned is Valve just has an incredible amount of respect among game players, and people seem to follow them and do stuff for them, which Pretty much you'll see from universally the discussion. Like. Yeah. Everyone loves them. I don't quite understand why. Not to say that they don't make good things, it's just weird that they've garnered so much respect I think other it's people because make games just, too they've made just, they were one of the few developers who consistently make top notch stuff yeah. and they pay attention to their players more so than, than most yes, other they're developers. very service oriented Yeah. so they make Steam digital distribution and other people can make games to release on Steam it's not just Valve games um, <clears throat> but given that they own the distribution system they've essentially created their own digital retail 
yep. uh, system and can completely control it. And we're going to talk a little bit about how they control that when we get back from the break. We're right back. Once again, you're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio with Alon, the 8.3 mile runner. 8.34. Yeah, I did that last night. Have I told you that? I'm, and I haven't told you. Um, you you so, also jumped kicked someone while you were doing that? No, 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 no. I've told you I'm doing plenty for this Tough Mudder thing, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm also apparently going to do a half marathon, which I'm not. I don't like running, really. This is this is not a good thing to engage in if you don't no, like it. I don't like running, but my wife. For whatever reason, like I was trying to get, and her, I don't believe you. I, I have to run to prepare for this thing, and I've been trying to get my wife, um, you know, to to go along with me. But she's like, no, I don't run. Whatever, I tried, and it didn't really work out. And now, for whatever reason, I have no idea why. She just decided that she's going to now, and she wants to like do a. She wants to run, do like 5K, and then she wants to do a half marathon and do a marathon is, eventually. Is this like how like how you don't like running, and then instead of like running four miles last night, you just ran eight and beat your all time record? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think what happened was she probably read some stat that said fewer than 2% of people ever run a marathon in their life, and so she wants to be a part of this club. I see. That's, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So apparently I'm going to Iceland next year to run a half marathon. All right. Good yeah. job. I was like... Iceland. Because she, she asked me, like, do you want to run a half marathon? I was like, no, I don't like running. I don't want to do a half marathon. And then she's like, well, I'm going to go to Iceland. I was like, all right, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. That'll be fine. Um, I, what's so special about Iceland? I just go take a trip to Iceland, dude. All right. Is that really the best venue for a half marathon? Yeah, it's fantastic. Is it? Yeah, have you ever seen Iceland? It's supposed to be beautiful. Have you felt Iceland? Whatever, dude. It's running a marathon. You want it as cold as it can be. Okay. Iceland's not actually that cold. It's Greenland that's crazy. Iceland is not that bad. Well. Anyway. So, um, getting back to what we were talking about. Let's get back to Val. So, uh, I I said Gabe's on stage, and he's talking about things. Lots of things. One of them is... How uh, Steam, their system that they completely control, um, but, you know, in a benevolent way, they get to set pricing. Now, every company does this. Every company with um, the ability to set prices does set prices. Sure. And online, especially, where you have a large group of people accessing a system, um, they can change the price, and they do. And they're like 50-50 tests and whatever, where like some people coming to your website are going to see $10, and some people coming to your website are going to see $8. And then you just check, did we make more revenue you know, for the $8 people or the $10 people? What happened, right? It's a, in an online environment, you can do this whole supply versus demand, like identifying the, the prime part of the curve. Yeah, the opportunities for experimentation are endless. Yeah. And and so they make use of this uh, more so than in other ways that I've heard, or at least their success has been greater than than in other areas. And so he's just talking about how um, they do these split tests. Um, the, the the most interesting one he brought up was this actually wasn't so much a split test; it's just a different type of test. So uh, Team Fortress Two, are you at all familiar with this game? Yeah, it's, it's a game they made called Team Fortress Two. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So it's a free game. Right, it didn't cost any money. Right, and then they took it from free to free to play. Right, do you know what free to play means? Yeah, it means it's free for you to play. (laughs) 
Yes, but it also means you can pay. Yes. Right? That doesn't mean you're like, hey, if you want to spend some money, it's not like the humble indie bundle where you pay five bucks and you get all the games or you pay six bucks and you get all the games. It's like you play the game, it's free, but like you can buy a hat or something else in the game, microtransaction sure. stuff, um, which we see in a lot of different venues, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. But they took it from free to free to play, and uh, what was the number he gave? He said it increased their you know, people accessing the game by a factor of 40. Okay. And he makes the point to say, not 40% increase. 40 times. Nah, see, I'm mixing up numbers now. This was a different test he did. 4,000%? No. Uh, yeah. That's what we're talking about. 40 times. Or or 40, th- yeah, some huge amount, yes. But th- that's actually when they did a sale for something else. So I don't want to confuse that. I don't want to misquote. They, I think it was made perhaps a factor of five when they went free to play. Shall we rewind the show and no. time? No. But point is, they went from free to free to play, which was more expensive than free. Right. <laughs> free to play... More expensive, um, and it got more people to play by by huge numbers. And what's interesting, he makes the point of saying like, you have to identify what creates value for people. And, and he's speaking psychologically, right? What what do they expect from a game that has things that you pay for in it versus things that you don't? And what's strange to me is that I personally would perceive it the other way. I would rather get a free game from Valve than a free-to-play game because yeah, I expect it's is, not going to be a good experience unless I pay. Th- it, seems, it sounds like there's some factor there that's not being taken account of. Well, the the best part of this whole thing is where he's like, yeah, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. Because um, they also, in, in that game, get something, he said, uh, 20 to 30% um, of people are buying stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is way, like, ten times as much. That's a lot. The number of people who buy things in other free-to-play games. Yeah, and the other the other interesting thing about that, you know, I, I guess they call it freemium. Yeah? yeah. Is that the word? Yeah. That model is that most of the money generated is from a very small fraction of people who are buying more stuff than anyone else. It's like, it's literally like they are Vegas whales... You know, it's because like it's the fun. It's it's really funny if you think about it, right? It's like okay, you had a regular product and it was sixty bucks, let's say, right? And it's like that limited, like that put a ceiling on your product, on how much somebody could ever spend on it, right? And so now it's like the freemium model is like one where well, the floor goes all the way down to the bottom, but the ceiling goes all the way up to the sky. Right, And so you give people an opportunity, not that most people would want to, and most people don't, to spend a ton of money on the game, maybe hundreds and hundreds of dollars when they'd otherwise spend 60 in a normal model. But they find that there's a few people who spend this exorbitant amount of money on the game, and that also accounts for the great majority of the profit. Yeah, and but like, like you're saying, a very small fraction, that number is actually like 2%. Right, right. Uh, of people actually buying stuff, and the rest. Of the, I mean, think about playing Farmville. If you're a Farmville player, God forbid. Um, you know, most people aren't going to pay for that crap, but plenty of people do. Yep. And like they even mentioned Farmville in this article, and and I, I honestly suspect Farmville probably has a a higher um, rate of people paying than some other types of games. But on the other hand, maybe since it's so popular, it it brings the the fraction down. Point is, though, uh, their games or game, for whatever reason, far more popular in terms of the, the buy rates in a free-to-play game. Um, 
and that fascinated me. But I just loved that he was so forthright in in discussing how they mess with things, mm-hmm. and like he talked a lot more about like running a sale, and and that's the thing that that increased it by a factor of forty. Like they. I think it was just because of all the publicity on, hey, Valve's having See, a sale yes, on Steam. Yes, now, now that's starting to make sense yeah. to And they, me, right? they talk about because... that here, too. Right? You know, it, you can. they're like, we can lower the price by half, and then we'll sell twice as much, and we'll make the same amount of money right. per, per unit of time. Right. But when you have a sale, so you have a sale for 50% off, instead of just changing the price to 50% off, right. you get huge increases because... Um, you know, people talk about it. Yeah, people react psychologically to the yeah. idea of a sale. And what's more is that that increases, it stays higher over time and stuff. So I'm not going to just go into a big economics discussion, but I found this super interesting because I am really into economics. But the the best part of this were, was where people decided to play the game more because it was free to play than just free. And that is contrary to my yeah, and, personal and it, instinct. And it, it's the same way for me, too. It, it really doesn't make any sense when you say w- that. Wouldn't you think that in a free-to-play game, if you're not paying and other people are, like you're getting a diluted version of the experience? And so I, I would rather play a game that Valve releases for free. But then again, like... I, I would say on the average that it wouldn't make any difference whatsoever. I mean, like, it's the same experience, right? You're either... you're In, in one context, uh, nobody's paying anything. And in the other context, uh, you only pay if you want, right? But yeah, ha- but it also changes the game because it's like I, I told you I've been playing this Castlevania Harmony of Despair again for whatever reason. I got right. back into it. Right. Um, you know, I haven't paid for the downloadable content, but there's like four or five extra levels that I'm not playing that were only downloadable on extra characters. And I know that other people have these extra characters, and they even come play in my game sometimes. Right. And I don't get to use them. Um and that's lame to me. I was like, well, I could be getting all of this new equipment and stuff if I had downloadable content. And now I, that now I that factor, can't. right? Now we didn't mention this, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I guess it goes, it goes, it should be expected that when they go to a freemium model, that now you can see that other people have things that you don't have, right, or that you can't get because you didn't pay for it. That I could see maybe encouraging more people to play more often. Yeah. For the record, in Castlevania Harmony of Despair, it's especially hard to see because the the inventory system is so convoluted. There's so much going on. Yeah. You can't even tell when someone has something you can't get because you just might not have it. Right. All right. And you have to you have to like infer what they have from what their character does yeah. basically. So anyway, I, I encourage people to go. I mean, you'll be able to find if you search. Uh, I was reading the article on GeekWire.com, but you should go read about what. Gabe was talking about, uh, you know, in in how they manage the economics of of games and stuff. So, super interesting article to me. <clears throat> we gonna uh, put our lecture on uh, our site? My lecture on our site? Um, gonna try and do that? I'm probably not gonna get on the website because it's gonna be a pain to do. But you should go to YouTube.com and search for Ara Sharinian, whose name is on our website. Yes, Ara Sharinian. So a lecture I gave out a few weeks ago is now viewable for the masses' consumption. Yes. So if you're uh, in for some pain... It's a little janky video. Check it out. But but it's, it's worthwhile. Um, also, once again, don't forget to go to uat.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. They make this show happen, um, or at least allow it to happen. You know, we make it happen. I'll take the credit for that. By the way, no show next week. Two weeks. We're going to be ousted for some sort of sporting event next week. We'll be back on uh, the 8th. Love sports. See you then. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.